Welcome to the Marketing That Generates podcast hosted by yours truly, Lauren Powell. For over a decade, I've partnered with business owners around the globe to create and implement their digital marketing strategy. Working together with their teams, we generate more leads, more customers, and more revenue. I'm here to make your business growth simpler by making online marketing simpler. Every week, I'll be interviewing other business owners about the strategies that are keeping their marketing relevant in the long term, so they're not hammered by monthly algorithm adjustments. So are you ready to generate more leads, better leads, and more sales-ready leads online while making the most of your oh-so-valuable time? Then this is the podcast for you. Are you tired of being promised the magic pill that's going to solve all your online marketing challenges? Well, this podcast does not promise quick overnight fixes, nor a one-size-fits-all marketing formula. Instead, it will empower you to think differently and more strategically about your marketing so that you get better results. So whether you're a business owner, solopreneur, or an aspiring entrepreneur, listen in and subscribe for zero fluff and actionable takeaways. And for bonus resources, go to marketingthatgenerates.com. In our current podcast series, I interview the owners of four very different travel businesses and we dive deep into their marketing. Today's episode is the second of that series and I interviewed Jamie Johnson, founder of Bella Events. Jamie has a very unique niche within the travel industry. She helps coaches, entrepreneurs, and creators create and plan intimate retreats, an additional revenue stream for their business. I'm not going to lie. When Jamie told me, you should have marketing retreats, I thought, Oh my gosh, combining marketing with my love of travel, that sounds like a dream come true. So while Bixa is not quite ready to add retreats as an offer, I love chatting with Jamie and learning more about her business and how she helps others plan retreats. And if you're thinking that this might be an offer you want to add in the future, Jamie also shares what you need to have in place first before being successful with a retreat. And of course, Jamie also shares the behind the scenes of her marketing system and how she gets in front of new prospects. So tune in and don't forget to visit the show notes to get all the links for this episode. Holy smokes, Jamie, I am so pumped to have you here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, Lauren. Yeah, all 48 states. Like, how is that even possible? Like, when did you visit all 48 states? Oh my gosh. Oh, luckily I don't have to be at every single event. But yeah, I have had clients in all over in every state. So if you have a city uh, that you want to visit, I got you and I have contacts yeah. in all of them. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> so you built this business helping coaches, creators and entrepreneurs plan intimate events and retreats. And can you just share a little more with our listeners what these boutique events do for your clients' businesses? Absolutely. So retreats fall in the Ascension model. Um, are you familiar with the Ascension business model? Yes, yes. I assume, yes. So, I mean, basically, retreats are the next best thing to offer your high ticket clients, like the next step in your customer journey. So, if you have a scalable offer like a course or one on one, and you've had, you know, an outstanding, like, you know, rapport with your clients, and they're just saying, hey, what's the next step? Some people go to masterminds, or some people do like, retreats, or you can even do a retreat on top of mastermind, but it's a really excellent way to connect in person with your clients and then keep them in your customer flywheel or your orbit. However you want to say that you can service your existing clients in a more intimate way, which honestly kind of keeps them coming back because if they're already getting results with your program, they're going to want, you know, their blockers immediately, you know, or their questions immediately answered. And, um, it really just 
kind of keeps them coming back for more. You know, you can also um, lead, I guess, to, ooh, the, I kind of don't like that. Okay. So we're going to like lead to faster results. You get your uh, questions answered quicker. And honestly, it's a bonus opportunity to earn some more profit without having to like constantly be generating leads and launching something. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is it's a really great way to increase your customer lifetime value because someone's already spent money, time, energy with you in other types of offers. And then you can take the relationship to the next level by offering some sort of in-person experience to further them along in their journey and what they're, what you're helping them with, the transformation you're helping them with. Yeah, absolutely. And if you also want to take it a step further, when people meet in person, they're going to form a bond. Now you can, you know, form bonds on Instagram and Facebook and Facebook groups and things like that. But like they're going to connect on a deeper level with each other. And then nine times out of 10, they become referral partners or maybe even clients, depending on what your service is. So like it's almost like um, a vertical and a horizontal growth for your entire community. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think online's great, but I don't think it replaces in-person relationships. So, Jamie, one question I have for you is when, and maybe the answer is all of the above, but when you're helping your clients with these events, are they typically the ones providing all of the content for these events or are they often bringing in guests as well? Honestly, it both. Typically, though, you want to make sure that your event is tangible. So like whatever the goal of your retreat is, like it's a tangible goal. You don't over saturate the agenda. And so sometimes that looks like you leading your client through a very specific problem, or you bring in one to two experts to supplement that problem that they're having that maybe you and your services can't solve. But I typically don't bring in more than two guests because you don't want to overwhelm your clients and you want to be able to have that downtime to build those relationships. So yeah, actually, so both really. Yeah. Plus I imagine on top of overwhelm, you want to be positioned as the primary expert if you're the one hosting the retreat. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about like what your services entail? Like let's say someone's listening and like, Oh, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how Jamie could help me create these types of events. What does that involve? So my main offer is a done for you service, which I walk you through, or it's more of a collaboration to be honest, because I can't meet your vision without collaborating with my client, but I handle all the budgeting and the pricing vendor and location selection. So like every little detail of where you're going to go, how you're going to get there, what the table settings are going to look like, like all of the things are handled by me as well as like contract negotiations to make sure that we meet that budget. You know, marketing strategy, I don't do done for you service on marketing. However, I can definitely help you supplement your marketing, current marketing strategy to make sure that we're selling out to uh, in advance, honestly, to your existing clients. And then I'll also help you build an impactful itinerary with the right amount of information and the right amount of leisure to prevent overwhelm with your clients. And then we have checkpoints along the way. So, you know, I kind of take your ideas and run with them. And then we check in to make sure that I'm on the right spot. Or maybe you have a great idea for an activity. And I make sure to find those activities that build relationship and communication. So I guess 
to dive a little bit deeper in that. I always have a cultural immersion experience, whether that be a scavenger hunt or ziplining in Costa Rica or going to a coffee plantation and learning about the local culture. And so I organize and coordinate all of those um, extracurricular activities that really kind of like wrap or well round the entire event um, to make an unforgettable experience. So that's my done for you service. I also offer a VIP day just for those people who may have that support already, but they have some blockers of questions or they don't want the execution part and they just want, you know, the preliminary plan. And then they have that support system, whether that be an OBM or something that's going to run with the plan. Wow. So first of all, I'll just say like, uh, an event takes a lot of work. And the fact that you just so take work. all those pieces <laughs> off your client is such, in my opinion, a godsend because like there, you do have to sell and you do have to fill up the event. Plus there's all the other rest of running the business that's unrelated to the event that has to happen. And so I just imagine it's a huge breath of fresh air for your clients to say, Hey, we're in such good hands. Jamie has this taken care of and we can communicate the vision the budget and let her run with it. Yes. Yeah. It's it, so some people <laughs> like enter in an event or enter into planning event and they're like, holy shit, I can't do all this. Like <laughs> and they're just, they get halfway through and they're like, I can't, I need the support system. And, um, you know, depending on where you are at in the planning journey, you know, I come along and either pick up the pieces and run with what you've started or, um, I'm there from square one, whichever, however I can best serve you. I love it. And I love kind of all these little details you have around what makes for a successful event, including like this cultural immersion experience, because I think we've all attended events where there's so much content thrown at you that you're overwhelmed by the end of the day, or quite frankly, just exhausted. And then when it comes time to you know, some of the fun and some of the relationship building, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm fried. <laughs> and that's not the experience presumably that you want your clients, atten event attendees to have. No, no one wants to go, you know, to a new city and just sit in meetings all day. Like that is not why they're there. They're there to learn. They're there to get their questions answered, but like, they're also there to meet people and explore. And I know I've been to conferences before and I've, I've planned meetings before that are just nonstop education. And I'm either ready for a nap at lunchtime. I take a, like a little 20 minute power nap. And then I just don't want to talk to anybody else after, after that. And I, that's like, I strive from, or at least I know from those experiences, that's what I don't want to do. And I don't want to attend those things. So that's kind of, um, you know, how retreats came about is because I, I started planning traditional meetings and I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> um, I want to do something way more fun um, that does have, you know, that does have a purpose, but also allows time for exploration um, and relationship building. Because, like, you can only, you know, sit beside the same person and not talk to anybody else. I guess when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking of like a college classroom or like a giant conference where you're like, you're lucky to talk to the same person twice. These retreats are 50 percent vacation. 50% transformation and they're small enough to where everyone can get to know each other. I love that. And I love that as a guiding principle because I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up if you're a coach, a creator or an entrepreneur with a retreat and thinking I need to provide all this content. And really you need to think about it as 
50% content, 50% or 50% education, 50% vacation. And I think that's just so helpful for anyone listening. And I will say like in my past career, my corporate career, 10 plus years ago, I remember flying into a meeting from Brussels to Barcelona. I flew in for two hours and I left and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like I'm in Barcelona. I want to go do something fun. And I want to like spend some time with the people here I'm meeting with who quite frankly need to trust me. Um, and I can't do that in two hours. So anyways, that's a whole side tangent, but I, I really like your approach and, you know, along the lines of that cultural immersion experience, you planned a lot of events. And are there anything else that you think makes for a successful event or maybe is a like definite don't do this on a retreat? Sure. So I'm going to start with the don't do this because it, it perfectly ties into the last one. The number one thing I see people do wrong is over plan. They over plan, they oversaturate. And what that what that does to the itinerary is if one thing falls off short, your days get exponentially longer. So with the first thing of don't stack your itinerary too thick. Also, everything takes twice as long to do than you think it will. Um, and when I say that, I mean, it's going to take, if, if it's an hour drive from the airport, budget two hours, because inevitably someone's plane's going to get delayed. Um, their baggage is going to get lost. You know, X, Y, and Z could, could always happen. And that's just one example. So like, if you're also going to an activity, someone's going to have to use the bathroom before you leave. They're not going to be ready. And it's kind of like herding cats. And again, I love my job. But those people who try to plan retreats without the expertise or the experience ultimately turn a seven hour day into an 11 hour day so quickly because um, everything runs long and then everyone's exhausted by the end of the day. And no one wants to like cheers or chink wine glasses into the night because they're just so tired. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the beauty of you having planned so many events as you see the patterns really easily on like. Hey, just trust me. <laughs> Seven hours is going to take 11 hours. So instead plan for four hours because it'll take eight, you know? Yeah. And then you don't give your people any downtime. And so downtime is a beautiful thing, though, is, especially if you're like by a pool or in a shower, because that's where most people like, absorb and like kind of like file away that information in their brain and they can really reflect. And so that reflection tailors or allows for better questions or follow-up questions to really drive the dialogue of the content that you are giving. So if you're constantly jam-packing the schedule and you're running late and there's like an elevated, you know, tension to the air, then you're not, they're not going to have that experience to really digest the information until they get home. And then that's not where the transformation should have happened. It should have happened while they were on site. So that's like the number one thing like not to do that I see all the time by people who are trying to cut corners and do it themselves. Because a lot of people approach retreats as, oh, I can find a hotel and choose the meal plan and I can do all this right. But they tend to learn really quickly, whether it's around pricing or, um, you know, a jam-packed itinerary that they're like, oh, I'm very overwhelmed really quickly. So what makes a really great experience is time to plan three three things really time to plan going with the flow and having a support system so a lot of people try to not or don't allow enough time for the planning process I don't recommend less than four months 
to plan if not on the verge of six months. And the reason for that is a lot of, especially with COVID, a lot of hotels and um, cities are experiencing amplified travel. And something else that's happened is all the travel that are all the meetings and things like that that were planned back in 2020 um, have rolled to 2021 and some instances 2022. So you're competing with a lot of already existing booked vacations and other meetings. Um, so if you have or if you lot yourself at least four months, if not six months, you're going to have a bigger or a wider net of opportunity to get that location that you really want, that um, backdrop that you really want, um, which will ele- elevate the luxury experience for your clients. Also, it gives you time that if something happens or uh, something falls through in your plan that you have time to mitigate, whether that be um, you don't sell enough tickets. Well, you're going to pump out the experience to your advanced clients first, the ones that maybe have completed your course or on a mastermind or things like that. And then if you don't sell out, then you can open it up to maybe your free Facebook group or your Instagram following or your YouTube following, whatever, you know, avenue platform you use to talk to your general, more general audience that may not have bought your services yet. Um, that gives you time to really like, I guess, problem solve your way to having a sold out profitable experience. Going with the flow. Number two is while you're on site, something's going to go wrong. Like shit is going to hit the fan and you are going to have to like figure something else out. So like, you should always have a plan B, whether that be the chef show up late or your sessions run over. So then the chef for, for your lunch experience, you might have to push that back. Um, so just going with the flow and acknowledging that something is going to go wrong and that you are capable and, and enough to take care of it. And your people should also have that same mentality. Like you're on island time or vacation time and you're just going to roll right through the punches. But with those punches, you should have a support system. So that way that you're not trying to figure out plan B or plan C while pouring into your clients because your stress and your energy is going to feed or that negative energy is going to feed into your clients. And ultimately, they're going to have like a meh time versus you being 100% focused and know that the people pulling the streak strings behind you and supporting your event, which is me, (laughs) um, are taking care of it. Like, you know, your people are hungry and need snacks. I'll give you an example of this. The last retreat I was, uh, I planned and executed was in Costa Rica and they wanted snacks at like two o'clock and the people or, you know, my client was leading presentations and I get a text message saying, Hey, I'm hungry. Can you go to the store and get me snacks? Or, Hey, I need soap. One person didn't bring soap or shampoo. So while they're having their um, educational experience, their content um, discovery, I was running to the store and buying Doritos and getting shampoo and soap for these people. So that way that they could shower, they could eat and they wouldn't have to wait before dinner. I had $200 worth of snacks and the the team blew through those snacks (laughs) in an hour and a half. And I was like, wow, you guys. (laughs) Who would have, who would have thought, but it's those kinds of things. Like, um, it wasn't planned for and it still happened anyway, but luckily I was there. 
So the leader, my client, didn't have to, you know, stop the show and go find a store and then find some shampoo in a foreign country. That's what I was there for. So those are the top three things that I recommend having. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, if you're listening and haven't been to Costa Rica, and I don't know where you were, Jamie, but it's not always that easy to get access to a store with with everything you're looking for like that, depending on, on where you are located. So, you know, I just imagine it's this huge stress relief that the leader of the event doesn't have to worry about the attendees being cranky, grumpy, tired, because you kind of got all that taken care of and know when to bring in refreshments, when to make sure they have shampoo. That's, I think that's a really beautiful takeaway for anyone listening. Yeah, Costa Rica is really, <laughs> you summed it up. And honestly, there's several countries that are more challenging to navigate. You know, cars aren't always a thing and neither addresses. So just having that support system and knowing that you're taken care of really just alleviates, you know, all of the tension and you know that you can focus on your zone of genius and pour into your clients instead of, you know, freaking out that lunch is going to be 30 minutes later or whatever. Yep. And I'll just say, speaking to your first point, planning and having enough time for the planning process, you touched on COVID a little bit and I'm, any of my clients that are doing anything in person, they're all seeing significant increases in costs this year because there's more competition, everything's booked, and that's not always something they budgeted for because they didn't know to. And it can be pretty painful on the back end when you're like, oh, shoot, do we raise ticket prices? Like, are there other vendors? Nope, everyone's booked. So this is the cost. Like, okay, is this, does this profit make it worth it? You know? And so I think. Um, it's a really important point that you brought up is you don't plan retreats in a month, <laughs> in two months. It's like, is it physically possible? Sure. Is that recommended only if you want to be hairless? Like you're going to pull out <laughs> all of your hair and your, your cortisone is going to be through or cortisol is going to be through the roof. Like you not recommended <laughs> whatsoever. But as far as added costs, I want to say that also preventing or you know, protecting your clients from COVID is an additional cost and additional hurdles that we've never had to deal with before. So having some grace through that process and making sure that your people are protected, your people are following either that city's or that country's COVID protocols. And then, you know, you want to make sure you never want someone to leave your experience and, and have COVID. So taking those extra precautions also equate to money. Yes, 100%. And I'm sure we could go down a huge rabbit hole. I won't spend too much time on that. But I just, you know, I, I think it's important to just highlight that the world has changed. The world of travel has changed. And therefore, like extra planning time helps you a lot for increased costs, increased competition, increased uh, less availability, and also just taking COVID precautions. Yeah. Right now I'm booking an event in 2023. That's how far in advance some of my clients are working. But that, that client has also been established and been running events for 20 plus years. So, you know, depending on where you fall, like, you really should start looking more in advance than what you're necessarily comfortable with. Um, because if you know that you're going to want to have an in-person event, then you want to start at that moment, even if it is just chatting with me 
about your mission, your vision, and your budget. And so I can start formulating a plan of, is this budget realistic? Can we do it? And if we can't do it in that preferred location, is there a comparable location with availability? And you can really um, tailor your experience to what that vision is. The sooner, the better, like the the sooner you get started. 100%. So Jamie, let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, hey, maybe I'm ready to bring Jamie into the business to help me create and plan an event or a retreat. When would you suggest they seek out their services? Presumably <laughs> six or more months before they want to have the event, right? Uh, sure. So for any service provider that is interested in hosting a retreat, maybe you haven't done it before and this is like something brand new, some things that you want to consider. Um, and it kind of goes back to like marketing and sales, you know, staples or baseline metrics. Like, have you had enough clientele or do you have enough clients that are asking for the next step? Because if you only have two and you want to sell 12 tickets, then you're going to have a harder time getting to 12. So do you have the client base that's ready for that next step? And then the second um, metric or second thing I look at is, is your high ticket offer high enough to sustain um, a retreat? So some, most of the retreats I plan uh, cost the clients, uh, you know, about 2,500 to upwards of $6,000. And we could probably get more bougie uh, the higher you go. But if you're, clientele are used to only paying like $500 or $1,000 or $1,200, then having a $5,000 experience, they might not be ready to spend that money. Should they be? Sure. But they might, that might feel like too much of a stretch for them. And you're going to have a harder time communicating the value of your experience and convincing people or, you know, I don't like the word convincing. That's a terrible, but you know, communicating, <laughs> like that's awful. Um, but communicating why they need to go and why they need to spend their $5,000 with you. It's yeah, just an sure. uphill battle at that point. <laughs> I mean, I think about any offer like that, not just retreats, but retreats tend to be higher end. But if you have to convince, then it's probably you either don't have the right audience in front of you or it's not the right offer. And it's going to be a super painful marketing and sales process. So I think that's really smart guidelines for someone listening. Yeah, the service-based providers that do the best have like a 10k plus high ticket offer, and they have a they have um, that clientele. There was a a tax professional, a tax coach named Barbara out of Arizona, and she sold out her retreat by just by just posting on Instagram one story. She sold it out within an hour, and the wow. tickets were 10 grand a person. Wow. She's going to Cabo next. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that sounds fun. Taxes sound less fun, but Cabo sounds great. Right? I, well, I'm a tax professional <laughs> by trade and are, taxes yeah. are so boring. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here? The, yeah. I mean, ta- honestly, the auditing like really played into me understanding finances, but in the finances of a retreat and the systematizing of the retreat planning process, but who wants to talk about taxes all day? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're in Cabo. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay, well, that brings me to my next question, which is, you know, you started your career in, in as a tax auditor. Um, what kind of led you to this pivot, if you will? And I hinted at it in your bio, but maybe you can just share a little more about that journey for you. Sure. So <laughs> this is going to be a throwback. In college, I cried 
like my junior year and I knew that this wasn't for me, but I didn't know what was. And I had friends in hospitality and they were telling me what they were doing. I was like, oh my God, that sounds like so much fun. So it like, it planted like a little like teardrop of an idea. And then at a giant conference, I met the meeting planner and she told me about like what she did. And I was like, so you get paid to travel and organize events and basically be a project manager, which is I love. I love organizing and doing that kind of stuff. And I was like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. <laughs> so I, I grabbed her as a mentor. And right around that time, I started traveling the world. And I loved meeting new people and talking to people and like figuring out what made them unique and like light up. And I was like, oh, my God. OK, so how could I incorporate? How can I do this for myself? And, you know, we already touched on like my love hate relationship with giant conferences and jam packed meetings. And I was like, I have to do something different. I have to do something different. Weddings aren't for me. Baby showers aren't for me. And I tried a couple of different other event options. I was like, this isn't my jam. I don't want to have to be in one spot. I don't want to be tailored or tied down to one city. I want to, I want to spread my wings. So after meeting, you know, my now business mentor, my now meeting planning mentor, I guess we kind of, I kind of like tailored. And I saw the need in the service-based space for unique experiences that aren't just like in a beautiful location, but also have a community-focused impact, which is kind of like the activities I talked about, whether it's zip lining or, you know, a coffee plantation. Like, um, I like to bring in those elements of community, um, which is really unique to a lot of retreat planners because they just plan like the location and maybe the pricing and budget, but like they don't necessarily go all in on the cultural aspect, which I think is a shame. If you're having your people fly to Costa Rica, you want to see the place, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't want to stay in the hotel the whole time or in the, in the conference or room even in the Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So first of all, what an amazing pivot. And what a fortuitous opportunity to connect with that meeting planner. And, you know, you've been doing this for on your own for six, six plus years now through your own business. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, COVID was a little interesting year. Yes. So it's so it's like, do I count the year? Do I not count the year? <laughs> <laughs> Let's, <But not>. yeah. <laughs> Let's not. It didn't even happen. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yes, I am sure like anyone in the travel industry, my husband's a pilot, like you had a rough, well, I'm making assumptions, but I know it wasn't and easy for anyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are things picking up drastically now because the vaccine has rolled out, uh, travel's picking up, like do things look different now for the business? Yeah, I, yes. So it's almost like at some point, people just like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's get in person. Let, let's meet again. And, and honestly, people are feeling more safe in smaller groups. Yes. A lot smaller groups also meet a lot of the city qualifications that may, that, that might've been imposed. And I think people are just ready to get out of the house, to be honest. So yes, mm -hmm. 2022 is going to be the best year ever. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so excited for everything. Cause it's almost like travel has come back with a vengeance. Yes. Which has been absolutely amazing, not only for my business and it's thriving, but like for the travel industry in itself, because it took a major hit. And so I'm just happy that people are actually excited to get out and, and meet in person again. It was like 
during the whole virtual event space. And they're like, oh, this is totally going to replace in-person events. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, I mean, I planned a couple of um, virtual experiences for, for my coach friends that needed it. And it really helped me get through that time. But there was still missing that connection. Even if we did those networking uh, roundtables or speed dating or whatever, like you still really don't get to connect with people. It's like you hit the surface level. And when you meet in person for for a couple of days, whether it's three or five, you take something away. Like yeah. you take you take conversations and laughter and probably hugging if you're uh, comfortable with that. And you take it away. I know you laugh. It's so weird that some of my clients have had like wristbands of whether or not you feel comfortable, like hugging mm. or fist bumping or whatever. Mm. And that's just a COVID proto- protocol that yeah. they, you know, chose to do. I'm a hugger. So, <laughs> <they're just> like... <laughs> so I mean, but, but those people that you meet, you take the, you take that away with you and you tend to stay in contact with those people that you actually meet in person versus just, you know, a five minute, um, Hey, what's your name? What do you do? Conversation you might have in a speed networking virtual event. Totally. And a lot of my clients ran virtual events this last year and a half, and there's certainly a place for them, but it is not the same as a retreat. (laughs) Like no one wants to be on zoom for three days you know, and, and you certainly don't want to be on Zoom for more networking, like during your downtime, you know. So first of all, I, <laughs> I'm i glad to hear things are back with a vengeance. <laughs> but second, I also just think that COVID protocol is super interesting. And I do want to just talk about that for a second. Like what a relief for any attendee who's super nervous to say, you know what, like they understand what I'm going through and they're taking that into consideration. And it was a big stretch for me to get on a plane or, or travel and come here, but I really wanted to be here. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely ways around it. And so especially taking a little bit more time, I, as the retreat planner, I try to have, you know, communication with the attendees prior to the, to the retreat. And what I do is I host kind of, like pep talk, I guess, Zooms, honestly, um, and talk about like things you need to know about the area and how to pack and like what the protocols are going to be. And then I allow the attendees to ask questions. And it's really like not only a meet and greet for them and to interact with me, but it also allows them to have some level of comfort that people have actually thought about their well-being and their health and maybe some of the nervousness because especially, you know, um, in the, the, the retreat I just came from, we not only had a lot of concerns around COVID, but we also had a lot of first time international travelers. And so thinking about the first time I went international and all of the questions and nerves I had around that, because I just didn't know, you don't know what to expect until you do it. And compounded with the nervousness and anxiety people face or are having around COVID, like some people didn't want to go to the experience. They had, they got cold feet and, you know, having those meet and greets and having those meetings of allowing them to talk it through with other people. And, you know, what are you doing and how are you going to approach this and things like that um, have really squashed some of the fear that can come with, traveling, especially for the first time since quarantine and COVID and things like that have started. So that is something I've always done. 
but I think it's even more important now. Yes. And what I'm hearing is the customer experience starts long before someone steps on the plane, you know, and that is a really important takeaway for anyone thinking about planning an event or a retreat or something intimate. Like it's not just about, Hey, they bought the ticket and then you'll see them in six months. (laughs) What is happening in between purchase and when they jump on the plane? Oh, for sure. Also, I, a lot of retreats or a lot of experiences have some sort of gift box and something to, I also do to help them get excited for the experience is send them a little like care package before. And I handle all this for my clients um, and we mail them the care package. So like whether I also try to choose like local and sustainable items, that's just the thing that I do because um, we don't need to add extra waste to the world. So um, I try to be very mindful and thoughtful with the gifts, but it also is just like the overwhelming excitement that comes out of getting a gift and then opening the box and then like seeing the useful uh, items that they're going to use, like even after the retreat, like just kind of adds to the customer experience. I love that. I love that. Like sign me up for whatever (laughs) retreat that is. You just sold me. (laughs) Okay. So Jamie, typically I like to just share a little more about your marketing and how you're getting in front of new people because People listen to this podcast to get ideas for their own business, as well as to hear about what you do, um, because I think we have so much to learn from each other. And I think oftentimes it's easy to overcomplicate our marketing and then kind of get stuck in either shiny object syndrome or doing too much and not doing enough of it well. And so I'd just love to hear for you with the caveat that I know that this is kind of a strange, strange year for you. But, um, you know, how right now are you getting in front of um, potential new customers? So a lot of my new customers or new clients come from word of mouth. And I know that's not a sustainable model, but that is where the most inquiry comes from currently. But I'm also channeling Instagram and communities I'm also involved with, whether that's the Female Founder Collective. I'm a member of Luminary, which is based out of New York. But during 2020, they opened up a digital membership, which allowed me to connect with members all over the lower 48 and some, I think, in London as well. Um, so I'm really focusing on very, like, really three places um, and trying to be super consistent because what I learned early on is that if I try to do too much, then I fail miserably and I feel overwhelmed and I can't do it. So I still have a lot of room to grow in my marketing, to be honest. And I'm so excited for any kind of guidance you might have. Um, but I'm practicing consistency for growth because that's the tangible thing that I can do right now. Um, that's within my, like, I guess, authority and my ability to just, that's my main focus. Because I, if I focus on too many things, then nothing gets done. Totally. And some people say word of mouth isn't sustainable, but I don't necessarily agree, to be honest. I think it really depends on how many clients you need a year or how many customers you need a year. So sure, if you're in a high volume business where it's like, hey, we need multiple thousands of clients a year for this business to hit the revenue goals that I have, great, then word of mouth might be a little hard. But 
my guess in your case, and that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not looking for thousands of clients a year. Like, I don't even know how you'd plan that many <laughs> events. I, I could not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could not. It, you're absolutely correct. I don't need thousands. I need like 10. And that's, and that's at the, that's even with a team having those high touch experiences. So you're absolutely right. Word of mouth has been very helpful for me. Um, I, as far as getting in front of new people, it's mostly like a trickle though, but at that pace is how I'm able to step into my own and really build out the back end systems. Totally. And I love paid groups as a strategy for someone like you, meaning have a really unique niche. It's really referable and you're kind of already in front of people who have been somewhat qualified because they're already paying for this networking group of some sort, or maybe they're there for some other reason. But I think it's a really smart way to get in front of a lot of people and for people to pass your name around within the group. So if I were to give you one, like consider trying this out of those things, I would say like, look at the group, um, the Dames. It's, um, it was started by someone here in Denver, but they're now virtual and it's under a hundred dollars a month. And what they do so well, they also have in-person meetups, but that depends on the city and what's happening in each city. But what they do so well is they will strategically match you up with different people. You just tell them who you want to be introduced to and they will facilitate that introduction. And so then you're not kind of on Zoom hoping to meet someone. They're really good at, hey, here's three people you should meet this month and we're going to send you uh, send them their, your way. And I think it's a really great if you're female um, for anyone who's listening, they don't, they don't accept males, but if you're female, it's a really great networking group. That sounds absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And have these great assets that I saw um, when I was poking around before our interview, but you have this amazing freebie. That's a timeline for retreat planning that I think is so valuable for anyone who's considering a retreat and thinking about how long is this going to take. I imagine that's really valuable for anyone who's even considering a retreat. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a timeline and a checklist. So of all the things that you need to do for your retreat and approximately when you need to do them, it is set on a 12 month schedule though. Um, just especially for those that um, may be new or have never done an event like this before, um, just so you can wrap your head around in a tangible way, plan and run your business at the same time. But if you were to bring on someone like me again at four to six months at most is what you would need. Um, I do have a new freebie coming out next week or it's, it's planning to profit. It's a budgeting and profit calculator that way. You um, you put in your budget, you put in how much profit you want to make, and then it has all the other categories that you need to consider um, when you are budgeting for an experience. Then you also have another tab that like kind of keeps up with what you've spent. So that way that you are budgeting for profit, and which is, you know, what everyone wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't yes, don't hold space for contingencies or mm-hmm. overspending. And so having a robust budgeter will really help you guys, especially if you're like ready to host and you don't even know what your budget needs to be or you don't even know how to price your retreat for profit. This is this is for you. Love that. And I think 
sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? When you're doing something for the first time. So having that kind of guidance and I also see your um, tax auditing background in that, um, <laughs> in that freebie, but I think it's a really beautiful gift because the whole point of a retreat is also to make profit, not just to sell it out and not just to provide a transformation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a free vacation with your closest 20 friends isn't necessarily the, probably the profit you're looking for. Um, but what, what, what even worse happens is that you, you get there and you're still paying to attend your own retreat. And that's not where we want to be either. No, no. Yeah. No. Cause that's not going to help your business, your retreat aspect. So definitely not. So you also have this great form that if someone's interested in talking to you and just hopping on a free strategy session to kind of take the next, you know, chat with you before they're ready to take the next step. It really asks some really great questions that I think if I were putting myself in your prospective client's shoes, like would, would require me to think about my retreat in a different way and maybe ways that I hadn't, if this were, this were my first time doing it, like what is your budget? If I didn't know, <laughs> if I had never done this before, I wouldn't know what my, my budget necessarily was. I would want to talk with you about, Hey, I think I might want 10 people or 20 people. What do you think is, is appropriate for that? I just think there's some really good questions in here that already tell me if I were a prospective client, Oh my gosh, Jamie knows what she's doing. And Thank I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, these questions really help me drive the strategy session. Um, it's kind of like a pre-qualification as well. Like how, how much have you thought about this? But if you don't know the budget, that's fine too. What we need to do is we need to figure out your vision and, you know, we can, we can come at the budget a different, a couple of different ways to figure that out. So yeah, some of these questions like really get me to figure out what next questions I need to ask to see if you're actually ready to host a retreat. Yeah. So smart. Okay. And then you also mentioned that you're using Instagram, which you have a ton of great content on there. Like, have you strategically chosen Instagram because that's your favorite platform to play on or that's the one that feels most doable? Are there other platforms you're playing on as well for social media? Or is this the one-stop shop, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's better to do <laughs> one, one channel well than five channels poorly. Yeah, like I mentioned in the beginning, I was trying to dabble everywhere. And so Instagram has I felt myself gravitating more there, whether it's pictures or videos. Um, and I like this story feature and I'm still working on my reels. Um, it's just a whole, it's like a whole new ball game over there, but yeah. I just felt like having retreats, like visualizing a table setting and visualizing a ha an Airbnb or visualizing a grouping on the beach, maybe doing some yoga poses and things like that are just easier to you know, to grab attention or grab your eye when it's a, when it's a picture versus a story, um, somewhere else. So I have also dabbled with YouTube. I plan on that. That was a very like learning curve experience, but I'm going to focus more attention on that as my main platform strategy and then trickle down to a couple others, um, in 2022. And I free up a little, a little bit more time in my day. Yeah. Well, 
consider me pressed because it's not easy to create videos for YouTube. <laughs> um, no. I think Insta- Instagram's a lot easier to create content for, but I also think when you're ready, it's smart to pick your kind of one pillar channel and then repurpose that content and chop it up and distribute it on different channels. But um, like, I don't think it's easy at all. There's editing. I mean, there's so much that goes into creating a YouTube video and um but I think it's a really smart medium for you because of the visual aspect as well. Yeah, it was it's so much. So it's honestly so much fun. Like in the editing process is tedious, which I never like realized how tedious it was. <laughs> but I think that's what happens when you hop on a new platform. You just have to yep. learn, right? Yep. Grow through it. Yep, absolutely. Well, I so appreciate you sharing kind of behind the scenes of your marketing, as well as just sharing a little bit more about what makes for a successful event and who should consider adding retreats to their business. So Jamie, if there's one thing you wanted to leave our listeners with as they're working through their marketing and business growth journey, what might that be? Start before you're ready and don't think that you will never, you can never have a retreat. Like you will have a retreat if you want one, if you want to travel, if you want to see new places and you want to get paid to do it, then put it in that business plan and don't wait until you have a certain amount of people like start working towards it. I love that because I imagine that maybe people never even considered who might be listening, never even considered, oh, I could add a retreat to my service line. And so I think that's a really beautiful thing to leave people with. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, if you want something fun, too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, thank you, Jamie, for your time. Where can everyone go to find you? Ooh, we'll start with Instagram. It's retreats.w.jamieJ, and Jamie is J-A-M-I. So that's where I would start. Slide into my DMs. Let's start a conversation. Love that. And I will link all of Jamie's links in the show notes. So make sure to check those out, um, her Instagram profile included. And thank you so much, Jamie. All right. Thank you so much, Lauren. This is so much fun. Heck yeah. You just finished another episode of the Marketing That Generates podcast. I hope you found a few takeaways that you can put into action right away. If you want more on today's episode, head over to marketingthatgenerates.com for show notes, links, bonus resources, and related episodes. Plus, if you're looking to connect with other amazing business owners just like you, be sure to join my free community. You can get access at marketingthatgenerates.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you back here next week.